Well, folks, here we are, the second episode of The Lightning Show, brought to you by Red Frank Co. I am your host, Frankie Grizzle Malgrat, a.k.a. Red Lightning. I just want to start off today's episode. I forgot, to, I missed a few shout-outs last week. Um, first, I want to give a shout-out to my man, Glenn Archer, sending me the mic we used to rap on back in the day uh, for this for this podcast. I think I want to thank him again. And I uh, think it's great. We had a lot of memories on this mic, the one we used to rap on. And uh, I think we're going to do one more song, JMG, one more song. And I think we're going to call it Quits. And I also want to give a huge shout out to my man Tom. Tom Dre the Giant has been holding it down. And he's my right hand man on this. And uh, he pretty much got me over the edge to do this podcast. So I want to thank him again. We have a morning meeting every Monday to talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast. So I want to just give him a big shout out and thank him for taking his time to to put it all together for me and, and get it posted for all y'all to listen. I appreciate it. First thing I want to get into tonight is Key West. Key West Comp Football. Big win on Friday night against Gulliver, conference rival, arch rival, always has been, always will be. Uh, down 14 nothing going into the fourth quarter and storm back. Uh, had a rushing touchdown and a pick six to tie it up and uh, stopped them a couple more times and had the game-winning 24-yard field goal to send them boys back to Miami. Three straight losses to the Conks. And then this week, Friday night, up in uh, Pinecrest, the Conks will take on the Pinecrest Panthers. Both teams want to know. You know, my thoughts on Key West, uh, you know, scoring no points until the fourth quarter. I just feel like we got to get things going. Got to open it up more. Got to get things moving down the field. You know, and I think with our triple option offense, we, uh, we can wear some teams out, especially in the third and fourth quarter. And, of course, practicing down there in that heat in Key West kind of gives us a little extra edge. Uh, but I just think we need to get it going. Pinecrest, who we face Friday night, is also in that South Southeastern Football Conference. And uh, they actually won their first game, too, over Coral Springs Charter, 17-6. They only held Coral Springs to uh, two field goals. Um, so, But you know what? I think the guys will be on a high. I think we're going to get everything fixed here in the next week, fix our problems, get things going, get things right, get the calls down. Uh, first game jitters, you know, that the the game that counts. But I think we'll be all right going through the season. We got a big, strong offensive line from what I was able to hear and see through some videos. Guys are tough. Uh, you know, conks are tough anyway. You know, I think we got a solid defense. And I'm excited. You know, 1-0, and o, baby. 1-0. and o. You know, there's actually some Key West High School football alumni here playing at the next level. I'm excited for them, happy for them. Can't wait to get their season started. You got Alvin Howard, who's a freshman at at Florida Tech, uh, who opens up this Saturday. You got Carson Hughes and and Zach Hughes, the Hughes bros, up there in Jacksonville. You know, Zach's a redshirt junior offensive lineman. And uh, Carson Hughes is a freshman linebacker. 
and you got Big Makai Sargent, one of the best running backs to ever come out of Key West High School, statistically, physically, mentally, just an all-around ball player. He's a sophomore at the University of Iowa, running back, and uh, they opened up against Northern Illinois. I, I'm excited for him. Uh, that's awesome. Anytime a Key West football guy gets to Division One, I, I think it's great. I think it's just a beautiful opportunity to showcase our talent and, you know, showcase the hometown. So I think it's great. And then you even got Caitlin Varela, who's a freshman here at Florida State. She's on the cheer squad. So that's awesome. Congrats to everybody at the next level. Can't wait for their seasons to get going. You know, to further that topic about Key West High alumni, you know, it was brought to my attention today by a good friend of mine, John Daughtry, and that, you know, his uh, his uncle is George Myra. For all you Key West folks that know, George, uh, football player, uh, quarterback. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to continue this every week to shine a light on football alumni from Key West and where they went collegially, professionally. So I want to get into George Myra. And George Myra played for Key West High School in the late 50s. After his time at Key West High School, he ended up going to the University of Miami, playing there for four years, uh, 1960 to 1963. And, you know, according to the record books, one of George's uh, best games was actually in the Gotham Bowl in uh, Yankee Stadium way back when. From what I was reading up, it was snowing. It was 20 degrees. Uh, so us QS boys aren't really used to that. However, um, he was slinging it. He threw for 321 yards, and at that time it was a school record. And they ended up falling to Nebraska, who beat them 36-34. Uh, you know, and after Myra's run at Miami, he was drafted actually twice in the same year by uh, the 49ers in the second round, pick 15 in the NFL draft, 1964 NFL draft. And then in round 18, pick 137 by the Broncos in the AFL draft. Um, so he chose to go with the 49ers, chose to play in the NFL. Had stints with the 49ers, the Eagles, the Colts, and the Dolphins. So fins up. He was actually there the year before they won the Super Bowl. He was there in 90, uh, excuse me, 1971. They went back-to-back -back in 72, 73. And the 1972 Dolphins, by the way, are still the only undefeated team to ever win a Super Bowl. 17-0. and 0. And I don't care that it was way back then. I don't care that I wasn't alive. But as a lifetime, lifelong Dolphins fan, I'll take that one to the grave. Um, but even uh, after his NFL career, he played a couple years in the CFL and even played in the World Football League. And that's George Myra, quarterback, QS High alumni, University of Miami alumni, and NFL alumni. I want to get into some college football news next. Um, of course, we know the games start this weekend, all the big games. You know, the big boys get to come out and play now. But I want to get in on some of this Urban Meyer beef. And my biggest question is, is how do you even come back from hiding a domestic violence case? Uh, you know, especially the way America is now. You got to treat women with respect. You should always have treated women with respect. But even more so now for as much that women do for us men, for this country, for our education system, for 
you know, the first responders, the firefighters, the police officers, what have you, uh, you know, and I just, I don't even know where to go from here with this, you know, and from watching his press conference and hearing what he had to say, he feels like, I feel like he had no remorse for what he did. He didn't care. He felt like he, you know, like he wasn't in the wrong for what he did. He wouldn't even look up. He, it just was he, not emotional at all. It's so, like, just, yeah, emotionless. And, and it hurts me to, to watch a guy who's been so successful um, at his craft, at his job, and at every school that he's been. He's, you know, he's brought programs from the mud and, and made them champions. And, you know, it makes me think of, like, what what's more important? Winning ball games or... Or doing what's right. And, you know, he wouldn't even mention the victim's name. And that victim being Courtney Smith. I'll say her name. And I think what happened to her was wrong. And it doesn't make any sense that it got to this point when Urban was having problems with Zach Smith way back when they were at Florida together. Back in 09. He was having issues with the law. So... Urban's been hiding things, been been covering it up because Zach Smith's gr- grandfather is Urban Meyer's mentor. But that you're covering up an illegal act, you're covering up a crime. And I just, you know, he suspended for 3 games. Come on, man. You know, what I I mean, yeah, he got a punishment, fine, but in my opinion, I don't believe that's enough. I think there needs to be more to it. And you know, I think he needs to be more sorry. He came out with another statement saying that, you know, he's sorry for what he said and and yada, 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 because all he did was pretty much apologize to, apologize to Buckeye Nation and the university, but not to Courtney Smith. And then he came out and apologized for, for that and then apologizing to her. Come on, man. You know, it, it ain't right. And I think there needs, you know, the higher-ups at Ohio State met for 11 hours 11 hours. What what were you having to think about is is my question. And, you know, I'm not bashing Urban Meyer because, oh, you know, he used to coach the University of Florida and and they're, you know, rivals to Florida State. That's not that's not the case. Could have been Joe Schlo from whatever university, like I said. Um, I just feel like there should have been more done. Uh, I... I don't think he's sorry, to be completely honest with you. Um, I think it's well past that, especially hiding something for four years. Uh, hiding a crime for four years. So I don't really think he's sorry. I think there needs to be more to it. You know, and I was watching Get Up on ESPN, and I think Jalen Rose made a good point. And, you know, and I think it's because of the success of Urban Meyer. But Jalen uh, Rose said... Um, like if if last year Urban Meyer was six and six and they had lost to Michigan, more than likely he probably would have been out. So that just goes to show you that winning football games is a lot more important than doing the right thing. To further my argument with the justice system and college athletics, I want to applaud the justice system this time. Uh, two Sacred Heart University football players were accused of rape by a, a student. And she accused them because she didn't want to come out 
or look a certain way to a guy that she was either talking to or seeing at the time and she didn't want to seem like that gal who would just sleep around with others so she lied about actually what happened and everything that happened with them three was all consensual but she came out and said they raped her well guess what happened the football players were expelled from school they lost their scholarship and pretty much ruined their lives that label is on them now forever because not everybody's going to believe them. Not everybody's going to believe the justice system. And some people still are still on her side. Guaranteed. And, you know, I was reading the story. Saw a couple of different things on the internet. And yada yada. Read up on some things. And, you know, when given her sentencing, she smirked and rolled her eyes. And I tweeted about that. And it's it's crazy to me that she did that because... And it's wrong, but she knows good and well that more than... And she's only getting one year, mind you. One year in jail. Not prison. Just one year in jail. And she knows, guaranteed she knows, that with good behavior, she'll be out in eight to nine months and all her problems will be over with. That's it. Done. She'll have to worry about nothing no more. She'll be out of jail. She'll be probably able to go back to school and get a degree, either to Sacred Heart or somewhere else. And the problems with these football players are just getting started because there's going to be label on them. People are going to look at them differently. People are going to treat them differently because of what happened. And I don't think that's fair. And to be completely honest with you, if it was that way, if they did rape her, they would more than likely be in prison for years. Too many to count, depending on who is giving them the sentencing. And I think it would only be fair is if she, for lying about them, if she got the same sentence they would get if they were actually if it were actually true that they did do that to her and like i said before i want to apologize or excuse me i want to applaud the justice system for you know bringing some sort of justice to this but i think she could have given been given more time in jail or the penitentiary um but that's the facts uh that's what's happening and but Somebody's getting in trouble for this, and I think it's the right person this time. So let's get away from the negative stuff, because football season starts for real. Now the big boys get to come out and play. And, you know, I'm going to talk about, you know, some top 25 games every week, uh, games that I feel are important, ranked or not. Uh, you know, but what I'm not going to get into, just to let y'all know, is ranked teams playing boo-boo teams. Like this week, number two, Clemson plays Fordham. I ain't going to talk about that because it ain't important. Uh, but we're going to get into this right now. Starting Thursday night, you got the reigning national champs, according to them, the UCF Knights. Uh, they beat uh, the only undefeated team last year. They obviously beat Auburn, big SEC power, uh, in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And uh, their first game is at Connecticut, uh, who was 3-9 and nine a year ago. Uh, not a big football program, as we all know. It's a basketball school for both men's and women's. And other than that, you know, they, they ain't good at football. The only time they were really good at football was back in 2010. They went 8-5, and five, played Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl, and just got pounded. They got that at that at large bid, and you know they you knew they weren't meant to be there, uh, 
It's unfortunate, but that's the way it goes. So I'm just going to say to UConn, stick to basketball. Uh, but UCF favored by 23.5. I will take that in a heartbeat. I think they got their, let me know, they got their starting quarterback coming back. I know it's a new coach. However, they're, they're ready to play football. They're ready to prove a point. I feel like they're kind of like a Boise State from back in the mid-2000s, just going out there and winning uh, New Year's Six Bowl games, beating big Power Five teams. I think they're on that same level, and I think they're going to continue that as long as they continue to recruit like they have been and put your hand in the dirt when it comes time to it. Uh, the, another game that same Thursday night, a little Northwestern at Purdue. Northwestern was even 10-3 and three a year ago. They won the Music City Bowl last year. Uh, they had a big, big win over Michigan State. and um, But they'll have a big test at home later in the season against Notre Dame. Uh, the Purdue team, 7-6 and six last year. Lost to every ranked team they played. Uh, but they ended up beating Arizona in the Foster Farms Bowl. Yeah, baby, Foster Farms. And uh, they're actually favored by three, surprisingly, in that game. But I'm taking Northwestern by 10. Then you got the Friday games. You got a number 11 Michigan State versus Utah State. And like I know I said, I'm not going to get into games like that. uh, Where they're more than likely going to beat down their opponent. But that's really the only games you got on Friday night. Uh, You got Michigan State, Utah State. Number 4 Wisconsin versus Western Kentucky. And number 13 Stanford versus San Diego State, but back to Michigan State, Utah State. Michigan State went 10-3 and a year ago. They shouldn't have any issues with the Aggies, of course. And I mean, last year, Utah State was 6-7, and seven, got pounded by the two Power 5 teams they played last year. I mean, pounded bad. Uh, Michigan State's favored by 22 and a half, and uh, yeah, I'll take that. It should be a lot worse than that. It probably should be over by halftime. Then you got number four, Wisconsin versus Western Kentucky, which is actually Western Kentucky's Willie Taggart's alumni. But last year, Wisconsin, you know, 13-1, and Orange Bowl champs. They beat Miami in their own place. Um, you know, tough, tough, tough schedule this year. They got to go to Michigan and Penn State this year. And I want to see if they can live up to that hype of number four. Uh, Western Kentucky, 6-7 and seven last year. You know, they made a bowl game at 6-6. Six and six. They ended up losing to Georgia State, who uh, Georgia State's first winning season and bowl victory, and Georgia State became FBS in 2013. So not really Western Kentucky's year last year, uh, even though they've had some seasons, you know, good before. Not really their year last year, but this game, Wisconsin's favored by 34 and a half. Um, I don't know what really to take. I don't know what to expect from Western Kentucky, but. Uh, Maybe they'll cover. Maybe Wisconsin will cover that spread. Not too sure. But then you got number thirteen Stanford versus number. Oh, not a number this time, but they were last year. San Diego State. Um, last year Stanford lost TCU in the Alamo Bowl, but I think they got a big, big name in Bryce Love. More than likely a Heisman hopeful, Heisman winner. More than likely, if he continues to stay healthy and do what he was doing last year. But, yeah, he's back, fully healthy, ready to go. And uh, San Diego State last year, the Aztecs, 10-3 and a season ago. They actually beat 
Um, they beat Stanford last year during the regular season, 20-17. to 17. And uh, their running back, star running back, Rashad Penny, uh, I don't know where they're going to be without him. He was their go-to last year. Uh, he was actually drafted this year. He's on the Seahawks roster. Uh, you know, but they're a good low football team, good low football program. Stanford's favored by 15 and a half. Uh, like I said, I don't know really, really where they'll be without Rashad Penny, but we'll see. They're a tough little ball club. They might cover that. Now you got Saturday's tilt. Saturdays are for the boys. College game day's back. And all the big boys, some more big boys get to play. You got uh, Oregon State at number five, Ohio State. You know, we, we already talked about the Ohio State drama with Urban Meyer. I, I don't know really where they'll be without him, to be honest. I mean, they're a good football team, I think, with and without him. But I think without him calling the plays, it might be tough for them to really get things going. Not really sure. They take on a Oregon State team that was one and eleven last year. It's upset by Colorado State. Their closest game last year, actually closest loss last year, was fifteen to fourteen to Stanford. I don't really think they can handle the Ohio State team. Uh, it should really be a blowout, to be completely honest with you, with or without Urban Meyer. I think a bigger test for Ohio State will be in that Week Three matchup against TCU because they'll still be without. Uh, Urban Meyer, uh, they're, Ohio State, they're favored by 37. They should cover that easily. Then you got the Florida Atlantic Owls at number seven, Oklahoma. You know, Owls went 10-3 and three last year under Lane Kiffin. I honestly think he's got it figured out down there in Boca. Uh, they're ready to go to war for him, and I think they can shock a lot of people. They might even shock the Sooners. Who knows? I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. So we all know Oklahoma. The loss of Baker Mayfield, you know, is huge. He was the their Heisman winner, their guy, their go-to guy. Um, you know, they went. We all know they went 12 and two last year, lost to Georgia in that double overtime college football playoff semifinal. But you know, they got Kyler Murray, who uh, go little ball player. He this is actually his last year at Oklahoma as a football player because he was drafted in the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, he was picked ninth overall. He plays. Outfield. He also played outfield for Oklahoma. So this will be his last go-round in college. And actually, Oklahoma, they uh, travel to UCLA week two. Or excuse me, I think it's in, I think it's in Norman. Uh, then you got 23, or excuse me, number 23, Texas. Seven and six a year ago, not a typical Texas season. Not how they used to be, at least. Uh, but they got Tom Herman from Houston. Tom Herman, I think, is a great coach. He coached those uh, Houston Cougars to that Chick-fil-A Peach, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl victory over the Knolls back in 2015. But I think he turned that program around, who actually had a big win over Oklahoma the year after that in 2016 to start the year. So I think he's going to get things turned around down there in Austin. And uh, they take on Maryland, uh, who actually upset Texas last year. Uh, number 23, the same time uh, they beat him 51 to 41 in Austin um, but they were still only four and eight a year ago and we all know the trauma with their athlete uh, passing away uh, shortly after a practice 
a lot of people blame that on the coach, blame that on the strength and conditioning staff, blame it on the um, athletic training staff. Who knows, man? I don't really want to blame anybody, but I also don't want to see players just falling out. Is you know, it's hot and we got to get it figured out. But who knows what the factors were? Um, nobody really knows the truth except for the people there. So we'll keep that you know to the side. We won't really comment on that. Uh, but Texas is favored by thirteen and a half. Uh, I'm gonna take Maryland on that. I think they got something and someone to play for on their end. Then a big 3:30 tilt between number six Washington and number nine Auburn. That's in the Dirty Birds' home in Atlanta, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Washington 10 and three a year ago. Only played two ranked teams last year, one and one. So they didn't have as crazy as years they did the year before when they played Alabama in the College Football Playoff. But they ended up losing to Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl. They're actually ranked ahead of Penn State this year. Uh, which is I don't know, odd to me, uh, but I guess that's because of the loss of Saquon Barkley. Uh, but number nine, Auburn, 10-4 and four a year ago, lost to UCF, as we all know, in the Peach Bowl. But I think they're going to be a lot better this go-round. I think they got a great quarterback. Their defense is stacked. I think they're ready to you know push through and get another upset win over Alabama. They're favored by two and a half. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. I think it's going to be a fight to the finish, to be completely honest. Then you got the Volunteers, Tennessee Volunteers, against number 17, West Virginia. That game's in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Bank of America Stadium, where the Panthers play. But Tennessee, I don't know. They've, they've, I think they've been lost since, you know, Peyton Manning, and then the year after Peyton, when they won the national championship in '98. I think they've been lost since. They haven't really been able to put anything together, a real good season together. Uh, but they get Jeremy Pruitt, who some of us know uh, was the defensive coordinator for Florida State in 2013 and that absolute domination of defense for the nat that national championship team. But he was with Alabama during all their national championships too as their defensive coordinator. So now he finally be able, he's able to become a head coach. And, of course, it's going to be a re revamped defense. There's, I mean, as nasty as it was in 2013 for the Seminoles, I'm only going to guess it's going to be where he's going to try to get them to that same point. And then take on West Virginia, who's favored by 10 in that ball game. Uh, they went 7-6 and six last go-round, but I think with Will Greer, who's on the Heisman watch list, I think they're going to be pretty darn good. They always have some great athletes over there in, in Mountaineer Town. And I think they got a lot to prove this year, and I think they'll be all right. Then you got a high-powered 7:30 matchup between number 14 Michigan and number 12 Notre Dame, under the lights of Touchdown Jesus. Uh, Notre Dame 10 and three a year ago. They were three and three against ranked teams. Uh, I think they're gonna bounce, or they did bounce back nicely from their four and eight campaign in 2016 and i think they can keep that train rolling i think brian kelly's now got it going again um and i think michigan i don't know man you know since since harbaugh's been there they haven't really got over the hump they haven't won anything spectacular they haven't been they've been to one new year's six game they lost to the florida state in that 20 2016 orange bowl um like I mean, they were eight and five last year. 
I don't know, man. I don't I don't know if this is really Harbaugh's spot. I think if if he's not successful here in the next couple of years, I think he's going to have to transition himself back to the NFL because that's where he was successful with the 49ers. Uh, and then the the primetime matchup, you got Louisville versus number one Alabama. That's down in Orlando. That same Camping World kickoff game that Florida State played Ole Miss in a couple years ago. But Louisville, mm, eight and five a year ago, they lost Lamar Jackson to the NFL draft. They lost their Heisman Trophy winner. They're pretty much their best player. Uh, so I don't really know which direction they'll go in without him. I don't really know who their quarterback's going to be. I don't know what they're going to do, to be completely honest with you. And, of course, to start off the year against number one Alabama without their Heisman Trophy quarterback, I mean, the reigning national champs is good, as good gets, 13-1 and last year. However, they have quarterback questions, and I don't think it's been announced yet. I haven't seen anything, whether it's going to be Tua or Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think you go with the hot hand. I don't really know which hot hand that is because the one game that Tua plays in, you know, he walks off Georgia in the national championship with 47, what a 40-something yard bomb to win them another national championship. So um, they're favored by 24 and a half, and I think whatever quarterback they go with, I think they'll take care of Louisville easily with no issues. Sunday, one game. You got the Hurricanes, number eight. The number eight Hurricanes against number 25 LSU. That's in Jerry's world. That's that Avocare kickoff, whatever, classic, whoever it's sponsored by. Jerry might even sponsor it himself. But 10-3 and three a season ago, Miami was. Uh, the last three games of the year, they lost uh, to Pitt, Clemson in the ACC Championship, and then to Wisconsin in the Orange Bowl in their own place. Uh, they finally broke that seven-year losing streak to Florida State, which hurts a little bit. But here nor there, the the king has to get dethroned every once in a while. But I'm going to see. I would really like to see if they can build off that success from last year. I think Mark Rick's really got it going down there. Guys are really buying in to him, to his philosophy, to his coaching. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But they take on, you know, an LSU team who was 9-4 a year ago. They were 2-2 two and two against ranked teams. Coach O, I think he's I think he's going to get it figured out. I think this is his opportunity to get it get it down, uh, get it down packed there down in the uh, bayou. And uh, I think the, the bayou Bengals are going to, or excuse me, the, the Hurricanes are going to have their hands full with the bayou Bengals come Sunday night. And then, of course, the Monday night Labor Day game. You got number 20, Virginia Tech, number 19, Florida State. Big top 20 matchup. You know, Virginia Tech last year, 9-4, and 1-3 versus ranked teams. I think Justin Fuente, this will be his third year uh, after taking over for Coach Frank Beamer, of course, legendary coach at Virginia Tech. I think he's going to have to get things going here soon. Uh, you know, but I think it's going to be a great game. And of course, Florida State seven and six a year ago, not your typical Florida State year. Obviously, not the prettiest year uh, imaginable. But I think it's this is a big bounce back year. We got Coach Willie Taggart. We got a revamped offense. Got a revamped staff, except for old faithful Odell Higgins. We get to keep him for a little while longer, which I think is great. Love that man. 
and he did pick a quarterback today. I was going to get into the argument whether I think it which which quarterback I think it should be, whether it would be um, James Blackman, DeAndre Francois, Bailey Hockman. I think the only thing hindering Bailey Hockman would have been uh, game play. Uh, of course, DeAndre was our starting quarterback in, in 2016, started last year. James Blackman came in for him when he got injured, per, played the whole year. And uh, I think that's what would set them apart from Bailey Hockman, their game experience. But Coach Tagger went with DeAndre Francois. I think it's a great move. It's a guy who knows what he's doing. Uh, and I believe in Uncle Willie. I believe in his his product. I believe in his statements. I believe in his philosophy. And I think we're going to go a long way with him. And I, to, com- to be completely honest, I think he'll be here for a long, long time. This is his dream job. This is where he's always wanted to be. He was a Florida State fan growing up. His whole family was Florida State fans. So I think this is going to be, this is a good piece of the puzzle for Florida State. Uh, we're favored by seven and a half. I will not answer that. I will never answer that. I will never bet against any team of my own. I won't do it. You won't hear me say it. I don't care. Give me all the crap you want for it. I will not do it. Uh, but what's really cool about this game too, not only being Monday night, Labor game, uh, Labor Day night, um, but Coach Frank Beamer and Coach Bobby Bowen will be the honorary captains for that game. So we all know there's not much fantasy news this week. Still NFL's in preseason. But from what the news broke today, Odell Beckham Jr. signed a five-year, $95 million contract with the New York Giants. 65 of that million is guaranteed money, which makes him the highest paid wide receiver in the league. That's crazy money. I wouldn't even know what to do with that money, but good for him. Uh, but he better he better live up to that uh, because there's some other guys in the league, other receivers in the league who probably deserve just the same amount, uh, but who aren't getting it. So I hope Odell can live up to that. And there's a there's a Facebook friend of mine. His name's Steve Jensen. He's a fan of myself. I'm a fan of his work. Uh, and he's got a fantasy football league that he wanted to call in and talk about. Uh, he's got all his buddies together. They've been doing it for 10 years. But I'm going to let him elaborate more on what's going on and what's popping. Steve, go ahead and tell us uh, all about your fantasy league. So, hey, Frankie, this is, uh, this is Jim, and I got Steve here with me. Yeah. Um, we're just excited to be talking to the one and only Red Lightning. But um, as, far as, our, as far as our league goes, I apologize. It's a little difficult to hear, and here's a little rowdy in Vegas. But uh, as far as our league goes, you know, we've been together for 10 years. A lot of us were buddies working, and then we kind of expanded the league, and we've had a bunch of guys jump in. They're just just rowdy and uh as you've seen through looking uh at steve's facebook we have uh some good looking young women that'll come in and do our uh draft for us so they'll actually we do an old school draft with the names up on a board and we have some ladies who will uh put those names and up on the board and get some tips along the way okay all right and uh you said you guys are out in vegas and how long you been doing it out there you know, Frankie, our league's been together for 10 years, and this year we decided we'd do something special. 
we said, let's do this thing big time. Let's go to Vegas. So everybody flew out. Can't believe it. We got everybody's participation, and we're happy to be here. And we just feel that fantasy football is the best way to enjoy the NFL. With the uh, popularity of all the online gambling sites and everything that people are doing nowadays, we still feel that fantasy football is where, it at, where it's at. It generates the most excitement, and we just love doing it. We love participating. Well, I mean, I love participating in fantasy football as well. I'm in three leagues right now. I've done one draft already, still two drafts to go. So, um, But I, I think your league is interesting. I think going out to Vegas is a big move. I think it's awesome. I think it uh, gives you something different to do. And, uh, I mean, you guys, you guys sound like a good time, man. You know, and, and Frankie, I got to tell you, this is pretty cool. While we were out here conducting our draft, we're only in about round four, uh, heading into round five at the moment. Okay. Uh, we met a gentleman who's out here from Alabama with his crew. This gentleman is in his mid-60s, and he's been doing his league for over 20 years. Wow, and wow. And this goes to show you that fantasy football is uh, certainly an enjoyable uh, aspect of the game. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's... Just as good, if not better, 20 years in fantasy football, and his crew took it to Vegas as well. And I heard you say that you guys are in the fourth round, so I took a look at some of you guys' rosters already. And uh, Team DVDA, I think, is on the right path with uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, uh, Gronkowski, and Evans. I think that's a great uh, core for his team. I don't know who that is, but I think that's a great core for his team. I think Danny's fourth in Niners. He's got uh, Antonio Brown, Stephon Diggs, Dalvin Cook, and Kenyon Drake. I think Kenyon Drake's a good pickup. I think he's the lightning to Frank Moore's Thunder down there in Miami. And uh, this team, I think it's Steve's team. He told me it's Frankie's grizzled Nick Chubb. And I think he's on the right path as well with Kareem Hunt, McCaffrey, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Amari Cooper. So I think those are the three teams that are going in the right direction right now. I don't know what your team is, Jim. Uh, but I but I think the Oh yeah? <laughs> I, I ended up going uh you know first round I got David Johnson okay. as pick four. And then uh you know, then after that we uh I went uh second round with Julio. Okay, I have Julio on my team as well. And uh Let's see. I'm not in front of the, the list right now, but I, I know I, uh, I I feel pretty solid because I've got, I've got uh, two wide receivers, two running backs so far. Feeling pretty good. Okay, well, that's a good core. That's a good start. Um, but I think you, what you guys are doing is great. I think more people need to do stuff like this, travel around the United States, especially to Vegas, to uh, – conduct their fantasy drafts i think that might be in the future for my draft from home you know i'm from key west so i'm in the key west degenerates frankie, league frankie if i could interject yeah absolutely opportunity yeah now listen we would like to personally invite you next season to come out and be a part of our league well um right here in las vegas we would I, love to have you we're big fans of you and uh it's been we've 
they had this discussion for the last three seasons. Uh, but if you would consider it, and I know you can't say so at the moment, but we'll talk to you about it later. If you want to be a part of this league, and it is a fun league, we would certainly be happy to have you on board, man. Well, I will consider it. I think it's a great opportunity. Um, I love Las Vegas. I would love to go back to Las Vegas, especially for fantasy football um, and some maybe some uh, some more gambling. But, yeah, I will, I will definitely consider your offer. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll, when it gets closer to time, we'll figure it out. But uh, I think it's a good idea. And, frankly, I do have one pertinent question. It's one I've been meaning to ask you. Yeah. So this wouldn't be my number one quarterback off the board, but I just want to get your take on your boy. What do you feel if Jameis Winston were my number two pick? Are you feeling confident that when he does come back, he's going to be the Jameis Winston that he was last year? Well, I think uh, he's got a lot to prove. I think he's got a lot to gain from um, being out. I think he's. Um, I think there's a learning curve for him as a young guy, and I think he's going to come back with some fire in his belly, and I think he's going to take over the league. I think he's going to lead the Bucks, hopefully to the playoffs. Uh, I don't want to put the mouth on him, but I think it'll be all right. I think he'll be good. I think he's a good pick. I mean, it sucks that he's out for three games, but I think it's a great pickup if you do take him. And uh, he's going to he's gonna do some damage this year in this league. Yeah, and uh, I really appreciate you guys wanting to be on the show. I've, I mean, I've enjoyed having you. And uh, good luck in your, the rest of your draft. And uh, I hope to see you next year. And we just want to say um, to all the fantasy footballers out there, good luck this season, and uh, thanks for having us on, Frankie. Yeah, brother, I appreciate it. Y'all have fun, all right? Just some closing notes here for episode two of the Lightning Show. I'm excited. Can't wait for college football to really get going. Last week was week zero. Now this is week one. It's official. The big boys get to play, and I cannot wait. I'm happy that Willie decided on a quarterback. I think Francois is going is a good fit. Like I said before, um, he's a game player. He's a ball player. He's a tough guy. Uh, I think he's gonna take us. He's gonna take us a long way. Um, James Blackman's gonna be a good backup quarterback, and I know Bailey Hockman will be as well. You know, we got a revamped offense, revamped defense, and I can't wait to see come Monday night. But I'm just excited for college football to get going for real. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited. I know the fans are excited. Um, not just in Flor- in Tallahassee, but all around the United States. Everything's ready to go. And guys, football is back. And that will do it for the second episode of The Lightning Show. Thanks again, guys, for listening. And we'll catch you next week. <laughs>